Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Hello, Melissa. How are you doing today? (laughs) I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're laughing because right before we started recording, I said, oh gosh, I have a nose on my hair. I mean, a hair on my nose. So (laughs) that's how today's going. (laughs) Yeah. It's one of those days. I feel like I'm in... Okay, I please do this every single time when we could talk about Christmas for weeks because <laughs> we're recording like right after Christmas, but this is coming out way later. But I feel like I'm in like holiday hangover. Like I'm sad it's over. My brain is kind of mushy from being out from work and we're getting back into the swing of things. So it's been like a slow rolling week. Like progressively every day I've gotten better, but Monday was rough. Yeah, I've heard that from so many people. Um, I think we mentioned this on the last episode, but ConvertKit as a company took a whole week off, which mm-hmm. was amazing. I've never been at a company that's ever done that. And yeah, oh my gosh, it was amazing. But I think a lot of people are struggling to get back into things today mm-hmm. or this week. Yep. But I will say, you and I did a really good job of we planned for the beginning of this year mm-hmm. at the end of last year, like really proactively. And I loved logging in on that Monday mm-hmm. and just like seeing a to-do list ready to go for what we're yep. going to start with. So props to us. I felt really good about that. Yeah, that was definitely nice. Yeah. Well, today we are going to talk about, I would say, the top five myths that we see when it comes to email. A lot of these myths have been around for a long time. Some might be more new. But I think this is a fun one. So we're going to debunk these myths and let you know what advice out there is no longer valid or maybe was never valid to begin with. Yeah, I think this will be a fun one. Agreed. Cool. Do you want to tell us about the first myth here? Sure. So this is one that I I think we see relatively often. We just saw it actually really recently. But specific words will cause your messages to land in the spam folder. So we'll have customers reach out and say, can I use the word free or the word sale in my email or will it go to spam? And the answer is you can use those words and no, it does not mean that your email will go straight to the spam folder. Yep. So good. This one is one that, like you said, comes up all the time because I think mostly this is why it comes up. Back in the day, this was true. So back when the spam folder first came into existence and the people, you know, very smart people who were programming those filters, Mm -hmm. they didn't have as much to go off of. So they did probably, you know, build code that was like, if email contains free in all caps, put in the spam folder, things like that. So because that was the way things used to work a long time ago, sometimes that advice still floats around out there. But we've gotten a lot smarter with the way that we filter emails. And now, like we've said before, it's more like a credit score where your sending domain carries a reputation and the way that your list is maintained, your list health, like that's all going to mm-hmm. be the absolute main thing that determines if you go to the inbox or not. And the content itself isn't really going to matter. The content will matter more if you have a poor sending reputation. Right. So that's one thing to keep in mind. Right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Like the caveat would be if you're acting like a spammer <laughs> and you're using the word free, I mean, 
it's not necessarily the word that's going to get you to the spam folder, but it's the fact that you're acting like a spammer in some right. form. So yeah, yeah, kind of go hand in hand that way. Yeah. And of course, there are outliers out there. Like there are some email addresses that aren't run by Gmail or Microsoft or whatever. They're just like run by a small team of an IT team and they might have specific rules mm-hmm. set up. Maybe they manage email for a small school and they do want to send any promotional email to spam and maybe they use keywords. So mm-hmm. this definitely could still apply to some very small amount of email users out there. But for the main mm-hmm. mailbox providers like Gmail, Microsoft, Yahoo, etc., they're not looking at specific spammy keywords and sending you straight to spam if you use one of them. I did see an example when I was looking, I was kind of Googling just things today about some of these, seeing what kind of articles I could find. And I did notice that there was like conjunction of words specifically related to COVID. But again, that's probably more dependent on your sender reputation. But that was one thing that I noticed that they were saying like related to healthcare that could potentially, but if you're sending, you know, your business content, it's unlikely you're probably sending information about COVID and how to get tested or, you know, it was just stuff like that that was potentially could send emails to spam. But again, that's probably more dependent on if you're doing weird things and you're a spammer. Yeah, it's probably more like if you just created a new domain that's never sent email before and all of a sudden you're sending emails about COVID vaccines, like click here to get a COVID vaccine, Mm -hmm. that's probably going to go to spam. But like you said, for more of other reasons. Right. But I know plenty of creators have mentioned COVID in their, you know, like newsletters and things, and they're totally fine. So. Right. And one reason why this isn't a tactic used by spam filters anymore is that if this was really how spam filters worked, spammers could just get around it. They just would stop using those words and go straight to the inbox. So. Right. But spammers can't get around having a poor sender reputation. If people don't want your mail, it's going to be marked as spam. Right. All of that. So focusing on domain reputation, list health, things like that is a way better way for spam filters to catch real spammers. Exactly. That's something that people also ask a lot, I feel like, is I noticed that like something is happening with my metrics now and it never happened before. And that's something I've had to explain to people. You know, algorithms are constantly changing all the time. And the reason they're changing all the time is to adjust to what spammers and malicious senders are doing. So you may not see automatic link clicks on your links all the time, but it can happen because things are changing every day. So important to keep that in mind. But I feel like we covered that first myth pretty well. So I would say for the most part, if you're taking care of your list, you have a good domain reputation. Don't worry so much about using specific words or phrases that will send your message to the spam folder. So the second myth we see sometimes, I would say if you listen to this podcast, you probably don't buy into this myth as much because you know um, what we say you should be doing. But one myth we hear sometimes is when it comes to list collection, following email legislation is all you need to do. That's enough when it comes to permission, which is not true. So When we're talking about email deliverability and reaching the inbox, just following can spam, castle, et cetera, isn't enough. Um, And those are email, different email legislations in the US, Canada, and there are all sorts of others, GDPR, California has their own. But just following the law is not going to get you to the inbox. And it's just not what we would recommend. What we would recommend is that all subscribers need to have given explicit permission to receive your marketing emails. And subscribers should have signed up for exactly what they're about to receive. So what we'll see sometimes is someone will try to use ConvertKit 
or I've seen this with other ESPs, and they'll say, oh, this list is compliant with CAN-SPAM. And ESP will say, that's not enough. Or people will commonly say, this is an opt-in list. Mm-hmm. But the people opted in somewhere else. They opted in with some other group who then shared their information. Mm-hmm. That doesn't count. The opt-in needs to have happened with you. Right. An example I saw recently was like the dentistry field and people had opted in to receive like general information from an organization. And then that organization then shared that list with dentists. Right. And I could see how that could be confusing because the organization's trustworthy and like a good organization. And so was the the person trying to use the list. But like you said, that's not falling within most ESP regulations as far as like a good list goes because they didn't sign up to receive specific information from the specific sender. But that one's kind of tricky because it, like I said, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything wrong, but yeah, not a good idea. Yeah. You might not be breaking any laws. Um, In the U.S., I mean, the laws are so barely there anyways. Loose. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to reach the inbox and you want to be a good, responsible sender, you need to make sure that every single person on your list opted in for your messages Mm -hmm. and you are delivering what they were expecting to receive. So, for example, if someone opted in to receive messages from you about sports, that's what they should receive. And if you start emailing them about gardening, you're breaking that kind of agreement you all had. So mm-hmm. yes, make sure that everyone on the list knows exactly what they are signing up for and that they did sign up for it. Right. Okay. Number three, which I think it's really funny. Like I would just read the title of this and then your little like bullet point and we could just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. <kidding>. It's kind <laughs> of self-explanatory. Number three is email is dead or dying. And your little bullet point says email is thriving and isn't slowing down. <laughs> we could just say, listen to all of our podcasts or no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, this is, I think it's really cool. And we, we've talked about it, you know, a few times about owning your audience and it's pretty straightforward to me. Like any of these social media platforms could go away tomorrow. We've seen it happen. And being able to communicate with people on your list, um, like your audience, in a more targeted way is really cool. And I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. Yeah, I included this one because I feel like this is something that some article will publish like Mm -hmm. once every few years and it'll say like email is dead. I don't know where they get that or, you know, why they think that. Yeah. But it's been said for years and years and years. Everyone thinks email is dying, email is dead, but it just isn't. And if anything – it's thriving and it's just growing and growing. Mm-hmm. More and more people are starting email lists. I feel like 2021 and 2020 were actually really fun years for email. I feel like a lot of people got sub stacks or whatever, but then right. a lot of people created newsletters on other platforms. Mm-hmm. I think people just got a lot more creative with email in general and kind of changed what we thought of email as always being. I think it, we always thought of it being this very like, buy now, promotional, you know, this big box retailer is sending me all their sales. Mm -hmm. And now it's become a really more intimate place where your favorite creators or authors or musicians or whoever Mm -hmm. are reaching out to you and sending you emails you actually really love reading. I know a lot of us have newsletters we look forward to receiving every week, things like that. So I think email is just going to get better and better and Mm -hmm. it's definitely not dead or dying. So sticking around. Yeah. No, I think that was that was a really good point about it changing and um, not being these big box like 
company is sending you emails. I was trying to describe to family over Christmas what <laughs> I do. Oh, that's always so fun. And <laughs> sometimes I just like, I start laughing yeah. because I don't know what to say. And th- that was actually one thing that I brought up was like, someone in my family loves to cook. And I was like, well, do you read cooking blogs? And I kind of went that direction to explain. And it totally was like a light bulb went off. And I was like, mm-hmm. huh, you know, like, I think people, you know, we've talked about it before. I think that I'm the spam in their inbox or something. I don't, they just don't understand. But yeah. that was like a really helpful way to explain and also make it so that people think about what goes on behind the scenes of that email and like how much work goes into it and how much thought goes into it, especially for the accounts that people love to subscribe to. And that's why I, I I don't think it's going away anytime soon either because I have people in my family who don't even realize how much they rely on those emails. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, like we can all kind of take breaks from social media and things, but I don't know many people who can take a break from email. Yeah. It's just, it's where, you know, you get a lot of important communication, you get a lot of more entertaining communication, you know, you do get those sales, whatever it may be, but it's still crucial to most people of all ages. So, yep. So the next myth that we've talked about before, but it's always a fun one to talk about. My favorite. Yeah. And we actually, I don't think I ever told you this. I'll go ahead and say the myth. Okay. Okay. The myth is... (laughs) I'm scared now. Oh, yeah. You should be. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) The myth is that you can use tricks to get a promotional email into the primary tab at Gmail. The thing I haven't told you is that... So we did a whole episode on the promotions tab, and we, you know, said this. We said... There are no sneaky tricks you can do. Gmail's algorithms are going to work the way they work. We got one response. One person wrote in and was like, no, there's all these tricks you can do. Read my blog post. And it was, you know, no offense to that person. It was like all very spammy. (laughs) So yeah, there aren't any sustainable like little tricks you can Mm -hmm. do. Some people will be like, I'm going to send 100 emails every hour slowly instead of sending them all at once, try and get them into the promotions tab. Maybe that'll work for you one time, but Gmail's algorithms, like you were just saying, Melissa, are constantly changing. Mm -hmm. So if you do figure out a loophole, it's going to change. Right. There's just no way to. And here is an analogy I thought of earlier about why you shouldn't want to do that. So any Gmail user, they decide whether they want the promotions tab or not. Actually, most Gmail users, I believe still to this day, don't have that feature turned on. Everything is in their inbox. Mm -hmm. So even the promotional emails will be in their inbox. The people who have the promotions tab asked for that. They signed up for that. So imagine that the postal service at your house came up with this new system and they said, if you want, we can install a second mailbox right next to your mailbox and we're going to put anything promotional in there. So all those like coupon things, any magazines. I would love that. Yeah. So imagine you had that option for free and you said, yes, I want that. Mm-hmm. And then whoever is sending you promotional mail is trying all these weird tricks and they like put their promotional mail into an envelope that looks like it's mm-hmm. not promotional. All these things. Which like, does happen all the time, actually. And it makes me annoyed. Exactly. It makes you annoyed. That person is kind of violating right. this thing you've set up and your are preferences that you've set up. Mm -hmm. And they're essentially saying, I don't care about that. I want my needs to be met. I want to trick you. So keep that in mind. When it comes to the promotional tab at Gmail, your subscribers have set this up and they want it to work this way. So if you are sending a promotional message and it goes to the promotions tab, everything is working as it should Mm -hmm. and as your subscriber wants it to. However, there are some kind of promotional messages I'll get from creators I want to receive in my primary tab because Mm -hmm. I want it um, in that more, you know, 
the tab that I get my eyes on more often. It'll send me push notifications to my phone. So I have the power yep. to drag that message to primary. And then from now on, Gmail sends it to the primary tab. So right. respect your subscribers. Mm-hmm. Give them the ability to set those preferences they want and be in control instead of doing whatever you can to force your message through the primary tab if it doesn't belong there. Right. That's so well said. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And plus, I mean, we've talked about it a lot too, but the numbers don't always correlate to sales. Like sending a million messages doesn't mean you're going to have a million dollars in your bank account after those messages are sent. So I think that's another thing that's just like really challenging for senders sometimes, but you want people to put in the effort to put eyes on your email. Because if they do, and they're putting in the effort, the chances of a sale happening or engagement happening is so much higher than pushing the email into people's faces and having them either like check that it's been read, even though they didn't read it. Like there's so many, I think it's something we could talk about forever, every single day. I could talk about it every single day about how important it is to encourage engagement rather than like force engagement because it's you can't force engagement. It's not going to happen. Right. So I think that was a really, really good point. Trust the process, encourage engagement, but trying to trick an algorithm isn't going to work for very long, even if you find a loophole, like you said. And it's not going to make people more likely to purchase something from you. Right. Because you just violated what they said right. as their own preference. No one likes that. So right. focus on building relationships Send content that maybe is less promotional sometimes in order to nurture your subscribers and get them ready for that promotion. But there are so many different things we would suggest. Like you said, you know, really promote engagement in creative ways. We have an episode on that. Right. But in general, just don't waste your time. (laughs) It will make you a happier sender to not focus on it. I think that's totally true. I mean, fixating on one thing like that is only going to make you feel crazy. And find joy in the people who do reply instead. Yep. 100%. All right. Already at number five. Wow. I know. It went by fast. (laughs) It's because we're on a soapbox. I'm so excited. I know. I can tell. I feel like we're very passionate about all this. I know. The promotions tab is just a tough one. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's just hard for people to wrap their their minds around. And that's understandable sometimes. But just don't worry about it. (laughs) Yeah. Which, okay. I'm sorry. I know we're going to move on to the next myth. I think there's another myth wrapped up here. Why it's so hard. I think a lot of people confuse the promotions tab and the spam folder, they kind of equate them. Yes. So here's a myth for you. The promotions tab is the spam folder or the promotions tab isn't the inbox. Those are myths. Those are not true. Yep. The promotions tab is still part of the inbox. I know, you know, your open rates are probably lower when it goes there. It's maybe mm-hmm. not as fun to land there, but it is still the inbox. You're not in the spam folder. You don't. Um, and that's a good thing. You're kind of, no offense, if your message is promotional, you're where you're supposed to be. Yeah. And you're still in the inbox. Yeah. So you may not have a serious sender reputation, which would be a lot worse yeah. going to spam if that was the case. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, so number five is the myth is open rates should be the main metric you use to measure your email success. This is just a good way to end this. (laughs) So open rates are less reliable than ever and will only continue to become less reliable. Focus on your end goal and measure the metrics that more accurately reflect the goal of your email marketing. Yep. So the next episode we're going to record that comes out next week mm-hmm. is all about the effect of Apple's new, you know, iOS changes on open rates. And we'll get into it then. I don't want to have any spoilers, but 
let's just say there's been a huge impact for a lot of senders. Mm -hmm. Your open rates have probably increased if you have many users who use Apple products to check their email and they aren't as accurate as they used to be. But even before the Apple stuff, opens had accuracy issues. So open rates, once all of this Apple stuff stabilizes, open rates will still be helpful, I think, to look at trends. Mm-hmm. Like if you're seeing, okay, 40% open rate, 40% open rate, 40% open rate, 20. Okay, we should probably look into that. Something's yeah. changed. But you shouldn't look at your open rate and think, oh, this is extremely inaccurate representation of who is opening my emails and who isn't mm-hmm. because that's just not the case anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, this one's tough. I mean, it's always hard to adjust. I think anytime something changes with a metric in email, it was kind of, I think we've mentioned this before, that when the promotions tab did come out, people were had all these theories about how it was going to affect email. And so anytime there's a new you know, advancement or change in metrics and in email, it's hard not to be flustered because we're so used to like getting set on, this is what I normally see. This is what I'm comfortable with. But it's also okay to learn to adjust and look at other metrics and find other ways to measure your success. Yeah, for sure. I know we've said this a lot, but before you send an email, try to think like, what's my goal here? What do I want to happen? Mm -hmm. Do I want people to click the call to action and then purchase something? Or do I want them to click the call to action and then download my podcast? Do I want them, you know, there's so many different things. Or do I want to just send an email with no call to action necessarily, like no clicks, but I want them to reply and tell me you know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Figure that out and then measure whatever that is. Mm-hmm. And then only use open rates as like a pulse on your email performance lightly, uh, you know, the trend. Mm-hmm. But focus really on the conversions, the actual goal you have for your email because really at this point, open rates are just a vanity metric mm-hmm. for the most part and aren't super helpful. Yep, great advice. Alrighty, so we covered the five and a half myths, I guess, yeah. there with the promotions tab. Mm-hmm. I hope that was helpful. If you have any that you think, huh, I wonder if this is a myth or real, I hear it all the time or things like that, let us know. We'd love to talk about it. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Oh, and one other kind of exciting announcement is I know there's at least one listener who's been asking for this for a really long time, but yeah, we are going to start a deliverability-defined monthly newsletter, and each newsletter will have a theme with some good info for you. It will also include our uh, monthly deliverability report. We publish those every month. So this way you can get it straight into your inbox. You don't Mm -hmm. have to be like checking ConvertKit's blog. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But those are actually really cool. We tell you exactly what ConvertKit's delivery rate was for the entire month, what the average open rate is for all of our customers, Mm -hmm. all sorts of really helpful data that's just kind of interesting. You can see how much open rates have increased month over month. Right. So highly recommend that. And then, of course, it will have links to all of our podcast episodes we've done in the last month. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything else we think you need to know. So if you enjoy the podcast, hopefully you would enjoy that too. And the link to sign up is deliverability.ck.page. We'll put a link in the show notes. Yay. Yeah, I'm excited about that. That'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. Cool. Well, I hope everyone has a great week. Join us next week while we talk about the impact that Apple's changes have had on open rates so far. All right, we'll see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. 
Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week. Bye.